0: Clark on the mic, yes I'm doing what I do Representing for the ladies, but he's speaking for the goons Back and forth with the banter, banter, banter You got questions, we got answers, answers, answers Every week we bringing you the entertainment and the news Welcome to our podcast for the ladies and the goons. goons Ladies, goons, ladies, goons, ladies, goons, ladies, goons Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Ladies and Goons Ladies podcast. podcast. Um, we're filming this on Sunday, January 16th, but tomorrow is MLK Day. We won't speak to you before then, so just wanted to say happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to everyone. Um Last podcast episode, I told you all that we were going to focus today on idioms and sayings and their origins, and some of them have really negative origins. So I'm gonna jump right into that. I did a bunch of research for this, and um, Buck doesn't know which ones I chose. So I thought it would be kind of fun to name them and then see if maybe he can guess what the origin, where he thinks the origin came from and then we'll talk about the origins for real.
1: First I'll say that I intentionally don't use idioms or cliches.
0: This is true, and I use them all the time. And after reading all of these, I realized that I I should not unless I know exactly where where it comes from, where it stems from. Um, All right, so we have a bunch, I have a couple, I'm not a couple, (laughs) I have about 30 of these. So we're just gonna jump right in and the first one is Baker's Dozen. So Buck, do you know what that is or where do you, where do you think it came from?
1: Um a baker's dozen is thirteen instead of twelve, so I would think it would be for the baker to be stealing one of the things or to make something for himself so he could keep.
0: Okay. Well that I never thought of it. I always heard Baker's Dozen, I knew it was thirteen. Never even thought about where it came from, but um, Apparently making perfectly even loaves of bread every time was impossible in medieval England. Um, So in the 13th century, Britain, under the reign of Henry III, a statute called the Assize of Bread and Ale stated that bakers could lose their hands for selling customers lighter bread or loaves of lesser quality. Because it was hard to make all loaves exactly the same, bakers would throw in a small piece of extra bread when they sold a loaf if a customer ordered 12 loaves, the baker would add an entire Vantage loaf to make a baker's dozen, just to make sure he wasn't accused of short waiting the buyer. The practice became so common that it was even written into the guild code for worshipful company of bakers in London. So, they were really serious about um, about their bread and, and sales and such. Would lose their hands.
1: That's, uh...
0: That's very that's very sad. I mean, I, I, I guess it keeps someone honest on one end, but on the other end, people could easily say that you were shortchanging them. Um, but that is kind of sad to lose to lose your hand for that. Never thought about it. I just know I don't say baker's doesn't that much, but I see it all the time because it's in all of the supermarkets and um, bakeries. So that was just to ease us in. So that was a, a I mean, it was kind of gruesome, but not that bad. The second one, I don't use ever, but I do hear, is blue blood. What do you think that is?
1: Um, blue blood means, I think, some kind of like royalty or royal line or something.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: it's probably big cripping. No, probably, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Um, Buck is really smart and he reads a lot of stuff, so. Every time I ask these things, I know there's gonna be a a great and educated guess on anything that we speak about. Um, To be a blue blood is to be of noble birth. The phrase is also used to describe anyone born into a wealthy or influential family. Blue blood, which is the literal translation of the Spanish phrase sangre azul, has its dark origin in medieval Spain. During the rule of Ferdinand of Aragon and Isabella of Castile, the Moorish and Jewish people in Spain were given an ultimatum to convert to Christianity or leave. All who stayed had to convert to Christianity to be accepted as citizens of the country. By the early 19th century, members of the oldest and most powerful royal family, which had refused to interbreed with these other races, began to claim that their blood was pure and blue. The the ostensible reason for their prejudiced logic was that since they were fairer than the Moors and Jews, who were mostly peasants who worked under the sun, their valuable veins had a hue of blue. That's
1: <laughs> why you can see them through their right?
0: skin. <laughs> yes, the phrase soon spread to Britain where it became popular. The racist undertones may be gone, but the classist notion persists. Hmm. So their blue veins, which by the way, everyone's veins would be blue if you could see through their skin, but their blue veins is what dis- they decided to call blue blood um, because they believed they were better and Moors, beautiful Moors, and Jews were peasants to them. So yeah, Blue Blood. Never used it, don't plan on using it. Sounds horrible. Your thoughts, Buck? I
1: don't know, sounds like, sounds like the world we live in.
0: (laughs) It does. Um, Yeah, that one's just sad. So if you use that out there and you kinda don't know why, I, I attended boarding schools as a kid, so I did hear it a lot. And um, certain circles, you do hear it a lot, and never really thought twice about it. But it sucks. So if you don't want to be a sucky person, don't don't use Not it. A sucky person. All right, the third one. My <laughs> my parents, I love them so much. Um, my parents use this one a lot. I think a lot of Jamaicans um, use it. Um, I, maybe it's it's a British thing. I don't know. But never knew what it came from. And the phrase is, as pleased as punch. Do you know what that is?
1: I have no idea what that is.
0: (laughs) So, all right. So um, I never knew. This one was very interesting to me because I never knew any backstory from it. And I'm sure if I ask my mother, she won't know either. But um, Punch the Puppet, that was the name of the puppet. Punch the Puppet is a creepy serial killer. So when you tell someone that you're as pleased as Punch, it usually means that you're satisfied, but this phrase is rather gruesome. Uh, The Punch does not refer to a beverage, but to the children's puppet Punch and Judy, whose repertoire included wife beating, baby squashing, and murder. The puppet shows a staple, the puppet show became a staple in England during the late 1600s. The plotline generally followed the same theme. Uh, Something with anger Punch, and he would go on a killing spree, murdering everyone with his slapstick comedy. Usually, Punch would kill his child and then his hysterical wife, Judy, then um, any authority figure, policeman, doctor, concerned citizen, who came to investigate.
1: Wait, he, this was a puppet show? It 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 was for kids?
0: A kid's puppet show, and you say was. Still, a kid's puppet show. Um. <laughs> A policeman, doctor, anyone that was that came to investigate, he would laugh and say, "That's the way to do it." After killing each oh, one,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's pretty messed up. But the Brits still aren't tired of Punch and Judy after nearly 400 years. Yeah. So I know my parents used to say, "Please, does Punch all the time." And funny enough, maybe my dad would have known known it and just thought it was kind of hilarious. But my mom, I'm sure she <laughs> didn't know what that was. But is that not crazy?
1: That's definitely crazy
0: a woman beater and kill and killed his t- baby squashing, wife beating, murder, and then kill anybody that can ki- and just happy about it. That's the way to do it, after you killed everybody.
1: Okay. That's how, you, that's how you train people.
0: That's how you train them. And I don't think he was remarrying, so I guess it was just, oh, they're alive again, let's see how, what funny way he can kill them. Um, weird. Yeah, so I have used that before, but I think as a kid, like I remember saying it, or laughing at it, and I really thought punch was the drink, though was like I like punch it makes me smile so yeah that's that's not what it means so
1: yeah I don't think I call anything punch so I would never use that
0: yeah not even if you have punch like rum punch or Hawaiian punch
1: Hawaiian punch is disgusting it is
0: it's very slimy (laughs) I don't like it but
1: uh rum punch Uh, rum punch I don't do what's that
0: I don't really. I don't drink, but I, I've heard of it. So. That's
1: some Jamaican
0: shit, right? I Man, whatever. Caribbean, right. excuse me.
1: <laughs>
0: whatever, whatever. Um, okay, let's see. This is number four. Let's let's see what Buck has for this one. Wreak havoc.
1: Wreak havoc.
0: Yes. What is? What do you think is the, the origin of wreaking havoc?
1: I don't know, but it sounds bad because havoc is bad. <laughs> So if you're wreaking havoc,
0: yeah, it has I to mean, be
1: something bad.
0: It's a bad. I mean, it's a bad thing anyway. So yeah, this is one of them that it is a bad thing. So obviously, the origin being bad wouldn't be that you know off. To wreak havoc means to create chaos and refers to a whole variety of behaviors. But in its original usage, havoc referred to theft, murder, and rape. Havoc was an Anglo-Norman battlefield cry that meant soldiers could bring unlimited slaughter, destruction, and plunder upon the land. Under the reign of Richard II in the 14th century, the cry was outlawed, and those who raised or answered it were sentenced to beheading.
1: Hmm. Shout out to Havoc, Mob Deep, Infamous, <laughs> Peace Forever.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, that one wasn't too far off. I mean, you were screaming, "You're gonna wreak havoc," and you did. So yeah. All right, this one. I use all of the time, I will not use anymore, and in my current job, I will be bringing up in our next meeting so that we don't use this anymore. But, meeting a deadline. Meeting it. Yeah, I have to meet a deadline.
1: I don't know, are you gonna die? (laughs)
0: Sometimes it feels that way (laughs) when when I'm when I'm rushing and saying, oh, I need to meet a deadline. But um, so today having to meet a deadline meant um, it might evoke dread like myself. I get scared sometimes, but that's nothing compared to the original meaning of the phrase. The deadline was the term for a literal line in Andersonville prison, Confederate prison for Union soldiers during the Civil War. The prison, which existed for only 14 months, was built to accommodate a maximum of 10,000 people in a stockade surrounded by tall pine logs. Within that compound was another fence surrounding the prisoners that was called the Deadline. It was built 20 feet away from the surrounding walls to stop anyone from climbing over or tunneling under and sentries were posted in pigeon roost to shoot any prisoner who crossed or touched the fence. To make matters worse, there was massive overcrowding, causing nearly a third of all prisoners who were sent there to die from poor sanitation, malnutrition, disease, overcrowding and exposure to the elements.
1: That one's not that bad. You said it was for um Confederate soldiers?
0: It was for Union soldiers.
1: It's still not that it was bad. There's a
0: Confederate prison for Union soldiers. It's
1: war, so
0: in the Civil War yeah, I'm not using that anymore. I'm going to uh I'm going to figure out what else we're gonna use, but we're not gonna use that. So. All right, let's go to number six, a blockbuster. What is a blockbuster?
1: A buster who'll be on the block.
0: <laughs> That's one way to look An at it. An
1: explosive device.
0: All right, so a buster who's on the block. Uh today a blockbuster is a massive commercial hit. But the term used to refer, refer to actual blockbusters, bombs that blew up streets during World War II. Yeah, they
1: call blockbusters now. They have them, they sell them around the 4th of July, like little like quarter sticks of dynamite or something.
0: They do, and they call them blockbusters. British blockbuster bombs or cookies used by the British Royal Air Force were basically huge cylinders, sometimes 4,000 pounds or larger, filled with explosives that could cause massive damage to buildings. The term took on an entertainment tilt almost 10 years after the brutal war in 1957. So, blockbuster is something that
1: is is a massive
0: commercial hit. Makes sense. (laughs) Blockbuster video used to be so awesome and horrible at the same time. You'd go to rent something and somebody else already had it, but, yeah. All right, let's look at this. I never knew this one. Um, Bulldozer. What is bulldozer or to bulldoze someone?
1: A bulldozer is actually a machine, isn't it? Yeah. So to bulldoze someone would be to roll them over or something?
0: Let's see, okay. To bulldoze someone means to bully or coerce them. And while it isn't the nicest phrase, it pales in comparison to its origin. An iteration of the phrase first appeared in 1876. Bulldoze meant to beat someone in an extremely cruel and brutal way, or to give a doze, as they used to call them, of lashing and whipping like one would whip a bull. The term was quickly appropriated for racists who violently terrorized African Americans after the Civil War in the South particularly Southern Democrats who intimidated black voters from voting Republican during the chaotic 1876 U.S. presidential election. Mm. Hmm, Democrats. By 1880, bulldoze was being used as a verb. When a machine was finally invented that used brute force to push over or through any obstacle, it was named a bulldozer. And so we use those today, and there's the name. What do you think, Buck?
1: Sounds about right.
0: Sounds about right. Hmm. Southern Democrats intimidated Black voters from voting Republican during the chaotic 1876. They bulldozed them. Hmm. Okay.
1: She's trying to lure me in.
0: I'm trying to, but he's not gonna. He's not gonna say anything. He's not gonna say anything. It's fine. We'll we'll leave that for another day. We have a ton of these, so it's fine. Uh, let's see. Some of these. I mean, more than half, maybe 75% of these. Ne- I never knew any of the origins of them. Um but I am guilty of using a lot of them, so that's I love sad.
1: you said Democrats mm-hmm. stop black people mm-hmm. from voting Republican. Yep. Okay.
0: Yep, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. All right. Number eight, the word is sinister. What do you think that is? Huh. Sinister. Yeah.
1: Has the word "sin" in it? Mm Hmm. Someone who constructs evil, like instead of a minister or sinister,
0: (laughs) or they could be this one and the same. Um. Well, yes, the word sinister, um also has an interesting past so it derives from the latin word sinister (laughs) it derives from the word it is it derives from the latin word sinister which meant left or to the left side in many languages from bavarian to irish the word for left-handed people also meant crooked deficient and weakest and so on in english the word left comes from the anglo saxon word lift which means weak or broken By the 15th century in England, left-handedness had evolved to mean evil and was sometimes seen as a mark of the devil. It was said that witches used their left hands to curse their marks. Because of its dark meaning, left-handed people were forced to switch hands to avoid stigma. Of course today, most cultures acknowledge that left-handed people are no more sinister than the rest of us. And in fact, um, some of the world's greatest thinkers have been left-handed like Leonardo da Vinci and Benjamin Franklin. But the word sinister, Originates. It means left, which means bad, which means evil, and that's where we get it from.
1: You said that originated where?
0: Uh, The Latin word sinister meant left or left side, and then it said Bavarian and Irish languages and many others. The word for left-handed, so it just kind of went through it to say meant crooked, deficient, weakest. And then Anglo-Saxon, we get the word left from their word lift, which means weak or broken. So everything that meant, it, it just evolved from weak, broken, to evil, to sinister, which comes back around to mean left. So I, everything left seems to be meaning evil or weak or broken. Shout out to my left-handed people like my beautiful sister, uh, Terry, love you.
1: People love to com- to cause separation and yep. discriminate for the wildest reasons.
0: Stupid reasons. Like, oh yeah, you're left-handed so you're evil. That's just weird. Um. All right, well, that one was kind of not really a saying. It was just the origin of a word, but I thought it was interesting. Um, this next one, Riding Shotgun. What do you got for that, Buck?
1: It probably came from somebody really having a shotgun.
0: <laughs> yes. It um, was
1: like some gangster shit.
0: <laughs> well, it's, um, it has a literal meaning. Riding Shotgun is the ideal place for... Uh, riding during a road trip now but in the old west the person sitting in the passenger seat was required to do a whole lot more than find the right perfect radio station um stagecoach drivers in the old west needed a person to literally ride shotgun passenger would carry a shotgun in order to scare off robbers who might want to attack them according to reader's digest
1: Hmm. the wild Wild west
0: Wild wild west people were you know i mean well i won't even say were it's what happens. It's actually human nature when you when you're lacking and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna take this from you. So, scary riding through where people you know people are in need and that's that. Um. All right. What about this one? Kind of it's kind of linked, but not hundred percent. Highway robbery. What does that mean?
1: Um. The same thing as people were riding shotgun to prevent highway robbery? <laughs>
0: yeah, I would think so too. So unsu- unsurprisingly, it had to do with robberies on a highway. Um, Darren, uh, let's see, most people would agree that paying $10 for your favorite cup of coffee is highway robbery. That's kind of how we use that term. But the, the original definition of highway robbery uh, once meant literally robbing travelers near or on a highway. The first known usage of it was in 1611. So, from actual robbery on a highway to be like, that's highway robbery for this $10 coffee. Hmm. First world problems. Okay. This one I never knew. So, painting the town red. What do you think?
1: Painting the town red just sounds like death.
0: (laughs) It does. As a kid when I heard it, I was like, um, they were doing what? So... All right, it has nothing to do with your nails. Um, For (laughs) for you and your crew, painting the town red probably means getting glammed up and going out for a fun night, drinks, dancing. However, the phrase originates from a night out that makes dancing on the bar seem tame. Back in 1837, the Marquis of Waterford went out for a night of drinking with some of his friends, according to phrases.org. Afterward The group went through The streets Of a small English town Destroying property They broke windows Knocked over flower pots Damaged door knockers But things got really crazy When they got Their hands on some red paint And literally painted the town red Including doors And a tailgate And a swan statue Hmm Well That's not real I mean it just sounds like Someone got drunk And then damaged stuff And painted it red And they were like Oh look We don't do things like this
1: This
0: means he went crazy And had fun I don't know
1: so whooping, no coping. <laughs> <laughs> Big blood shit.
0: <laughs> Painting the town red. All right, well. All right, let's see if you can guess this one. Pulling someone's leg.
1: Wow. Pulling someone's leg. hmm I don't know, but it sounds fucked up. All
0: right, you probably think that pulling someone's leg is all in good fun. Normally, people say, oh, you tricked me. You're pulling my leg. Um, After all, what's the harm in a little joke, right? This commonly used phrase that today means playing an innocent joke meant something a lot more sinister, left-handed, years ago. Thieves in the 18th and 19th century London would drag their victims to the ground by their legs in order to rob them. Okay. I don't understand how that even became pulling (laughs) someone...
1: I remember, like in the 80s, people used to just rip people's pants pockets off and take their money.
0: Wow. I mean, I would prefer that than you dragging me by my legs down the, the street and stealing Drag
1: them into an alley or something?
0: I don't know, but they would just drag them on the ground. It just seem maybe there are a lot of thieves or something. I'm not going to, I don't know.
1: How do these things. Well actually it makes sense because comedians are the kind of people who like push the envelope. Look that's another one, where the fuck that came from? Push the om- <laughs> Comedians <laughs> say wild shit and it turns out to be funny. Yeah. So a lot of these things started off as wild and were probably started by like a comedian or something. Yeah, that's true. I just made that up.
0: Or someone probably was thinking about it and or parents were telling a story and let it, oh yeah and they did this or, and they were like what? <laughs> And then it became something that's funny. People are really violent, though. Um, and a lot of the people that tell stories are allowed to tell stories, um, or, you know, it just, that, that, those are the things they think are funny. Like being pleased with punch, pleased as punch.
1: Um, <clears throat> Probably before TV, people yeah. used to say a lot of things to Occupy their time. Storytelling was big.
0: That's true. That's true. Um, all right, let's. What about paying through the nose? Paying through the nose.
1: That's crazy, that's like, it cost you an arm and a leg and you <laughs> had to pay through the nose.
0: That's <laughs> that like the next left.
1: level, that's like the next level of arm um,
0: <laughs> All right. Um, back in the day, it wasn't about overpriced items or services. So, you won't be happy if you think you're paying through the nose for something today. Although you may feel like you're getting ripped off, at least you get to keep your face intact. The roots of this commonly used idiom came from a brutal tactic of the Dane Vikings of slitting someone's nose from tip to eyebrow if the person refused to pay their tax.
1: That's crazy.
0: That is insane. So you don't pay your tax, you're gonna pay through the nose. Sheesh, why would anyone even wanna use that? Oh my gosh, pay through the nose. All right, what about having someone read you the riot act? I never use that, but I hear it a lot.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. But back to the paying through the nose. Taxes has been going on for a while. Some people feel like they're still paying through the nose for taxes.
0: Mm-hmm. Or not paying and ending up in jail. So yeah. This is true.
1: The Riot Act.
0: Read you the Riot Act.
1: I have no idea.
0: Um, so people say this a lot. I've heard it a lot. My parents never use this, but um, The example given here is after your parents read you the riot act for breaking curfew, you might be facing a few weeks in your room without television, okay. But in the 18th century England being read the riot act meant that you could be facing time behind bars. Groups of more than 12 people were considered to be a threat to public safety. The riot act was implemented in 1715 and stated that the British government can consider you a group of 12 or more a threat to public safety, and you could be ordered to break it up, according to Atlas Obscura. Anyone refusing to disperse would be arrested or forcibly removed from the premises. Hmm.
1: That sound like the shit the police used to do to us in New York. Like,
0: Yeah. Sounds like the stuff that happens now, when, even when you're peacefully protesting. They read you the Right Act.
1: Well, yes. I think we're going back towards that way. They're trying to stop people from um consorting. Yeah. Is that a word?
0: Yeah. So, mm-hmm. That's true. Oh my gosh, this one, I have said numerous times, not in my adult life maybe, but I've said a lot, had no clue what this came from. Letting the cat out of the bag.
1: Why did you have the cat in the bag? <laughs> it just starts off bad.
0: <clears throat> I agree. So today, letting the cat out of the bag is used to mean spilling someone's secret. Um, so (laughs) this is really weird well it's it's rooted in deceit anyway so it is some weirdness but supposedly in medieval times they did a lot of things in medieval times farmers would go to the market to purchase pigs most of the time their bag would contain the animal they paid for but if they bought it from a shady dealer they would open their bag and find an unpleasant surprise their pricey pig had been swapped out for a much less expensive cat
1: that's crazy that is
0: insane because they would sell it with the bag already tied up and just give it to them, so they opened it up and they got a, a cat instead of a pig.
1: I <laughs> the cat out the gonna, back. I'm not going to say what I want to say, but... Why? I think it's, like, inappropriate.
0: <laughs> okay. It's inappropriate. It must really be inappropriate if you don't want to say it. All right. Um...
1: Some people are still eating cat thinking it's pig. At certain establishments. I'll say that.
0: True, or chicken. Probably more so chicken. I don't know what cat tastes, well I don't even know if I know what cat tastes like. But I don't, I don't, I don't think I know. I hope I don't know what it tastes like.
1: <laughs>
0: but when I don't, like foods I don't eat, or people are always like, oh it tastes like chicken. And I was like, well I just eat chicken then. Um, so maybe maybe cat tastes like chicken, I don't know. All right, this one might be pretty simple. To get gypped. Where do you think gypped came from?
1: This sounds racist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It sounds like the first guess I would make would be it would have some kind of negative connotation towards the gypsy people.
0: Yes. He's so smart. Um yeah, gypped. So gypsies, aka the Romani people. Have been targeted and criticized for a long time Throughout history People have hatefully and wrongfully viewed them as thieves and lowlives This idiom stems from that prejudice Claiming that if one was cheated out of money Or quality of product It was reminiscent of what the gypsies would do So when you say you got gypped Or you're gypping somebody um, Yeah, it's racist So don't say it Don't be a bad person
1: They should say you got pilgrimed or some (laughs) shit
0: Yes (laughs) Or you got colonized um. All right, so this is the Oh, ooh, segue Sold Down the River What do you think about that one?
1: Definitely some racist slave shit
0: Yep, Sold Down the River So I've never said this in my life I think I, I know I've heard it But never ever would I, I don't know That would just not be something that I would think to say It's but, like
1: snitching on somebody, right? Mm-hmm Sold Down the River
0: Ooh, this idiom refers to the shameful period in American history when slavery was common practice. Black families. What would...
1: they had, slavery in America.
0: Could you believe it? Oh. Hmm. So. Black families would often be separated when they were purchased as slaves, and slaves would often be transported down the river for delivery to southern plantations. Slaves were sold down river as punishment. Where they would experience harsher conditions and would be separated from family and loved ones. Nothing compared to such a dehumanizing anguish. Uh, so don't equate your suffering to that of slaves today. So today, being sold down the river means to be betrayed or screwed over. But yeah, don't don't use that. I'm being sold down the river. Um, that's very like tone deaf. Especially if you're, I mean, if you're black, you really shouldn't be saying anything that has to do with slavery like that. Just like don't give that any airplay. But if you're if you're white. And you're talking about being sold down the river? Yeah, don't do it.
1: That sounds like old lingo from like black and white TV or some shit. Like it does. Sitcoms or dramas or something.
0: It does, but it, those are the things that are told in families, and then kids end up saying it. I've heard, I've heard some not so young people, maybe a little younger than myself, have I've heard say it. So, all right, this one I never knew, but I think it's pretty kind of cool. Bite the bullet.
1: Bruce Leroy.
0: <laughs> yes! That's the first thing I thought when I saw it. <laughs> Catching bullets with his teeth. All right. Um, in black and white films and westerns...
1: The skinny iguana thing, he <laughs> the last dragon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that movie. Um, in black and white films and westerns, we often see a critically injured person chugging a bottle of whiskey before a crude on-the-go surgery or amputation but soldiers who were in the middle of a battlefield didn't always have that luxury so they would take a bullet from the ground or their weapon and bite on that instead so to have something amputated or go through some surgery without any anesthesia they would bite the bullet to I don't even know because that doesn't work for me people say biting on something help that doesn't work my, my brain knows that there's pain still
1: that one's not as bad as the other ones though
0: Bite it's not, I just didn't know where it came from. Bite the bullet. It's not like, it doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like something you wouldn't say because it makes a lot of sense if it's something that's really horrible and you're trying to deal with it, biting the bullet makes sense.
1: Yeah. All
0: right, this one I have definitely used. I will not use anymore. Um, I've heard it a lot, especially in especially in New York, I think. is the I never heard it anywhere else, kind of. But let me know what you think. What is a bum rush?
1: A bum rush, when you bum rush the show, Mm -hmm. it has bum at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I'm just gonna say poor people trying to get some food.
0: All right, so crowds often bum rush the fields in a sports stadium where their team wins a big game. Politicians will bum rush an onslaught of criticism from their opponent. While this phrase is now slang for virtually any kind of great force or stampede, it originates from, quite literally, rushing a bum out of an upscale location.
1: Oh, it's the the non-bums doing the fucked up shit.
0: Yes. If someone was chased out of somewhere, it was called getting a bum's rush. Conversely, running into a place where one is clearly unwelcome is also a bum rush. Mm. Hmm.
1: Who's the real bum? Hmm.
0: Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, I'm not gonna use that one. I don't use it that often. There was a there was a song that went "Can't Stop the Bum Rush." I forget what it was. I, maybe Crisscross or something. Um,
1: yeah, that's old Bum Rush. Yeah,
0: it's not something I would use.
1: I think I've used that in like a couple of verses. I used a couple of these in verses before, but I don't really use them in like just talking.
0: Yeah, I don't. I uh Well, I I'm gonna I was about to lie and say I don't use them. I do use some of them. I will not anymore. Um, all right, so this one, uppity. Where do you think that came from? uppity. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it sounds like real southern.
0: <laughs> right? It does. Uh, it's not something, it's not a word that I would have heard in Jamaica, but I definitely heard up here in, uh, maybe on TV. No, I've heard it otherwise, but we'll go, we'll get into is it later.
1: like levels. <laughs> seems like it has to do with like levels of people.
0: yeah. It says here that it means today a person who's self-important or arrogant, right? That's uppity. But where it comes from, a Jim Crow era term used to describe a black person who was successful or essentially didn't view themselves as a second-class citizen. This awful historical context comes up every few years when some, some talking head inevitably refers to the president or another prominent black leader as uppity and then swears they didn't know it had a racial connotation. So uppity really had to do with black people who were successful or didn't view themselves as second-class citizens. Hmm. Yes. And then... To make it worse, most of the, a lot of the time when you hear it, back in the day when it was created, it was a lot of white people saying it, but there are a lot of, it also says there are a lot of um, black people who use it as well to say someone thinks they're better than them.
1: Cause so. they just start repeating shit.
0: Yeah, just repeat what you hear and then help to tear down your own people. So let's try not to do that. Let's praise people who are doing well and not call them uppity.
1: That's why I don't use, like, idioms and cliches. I feel like I can better convey my own message by using my own words. If I just use, like, a cliche, it's like, one, you don't really know where it came from. A lot of people can understand your message, though. That's the crazy part. That's why I I do use them, like, once in a while. But I get sucked into it, like, if somebody's saying something, and I really don't want to explain.
0: Yeah. And, like, for me, too, it's for communication. So... If people know if I can do one phrase and they know exactly what I'm talking about because of that phrase and what it means, that's why I used to use it out of sheer laziness. Um, but I'm gonna try I am going to try not to do that. Um you know, around everyone and, and try to be an advocate for using our own words. All right, this one's
1: That sounds crazy though using your own words, like you got your own language or something.
0: I mean you're at least Put it together, phrase it together, use your words so people understand what's coming from your mouth, and they don't have to guess. Because right. I might give you, I might give you a cliche, and where you're from, it's similar, but it has a different undertone. And where I'm from, I'm like, no, I just mean this. So, um, all right, the next one we got basket case.
1: <laughs> no, no, basket case is like somebody who's crazy, right?
0: Yes, that's that's what we take it to mean, crazy. So what it means today is someone who's crazy, going crazy, or generally has a crazy aura. Even if they go to a shrink to analyze, I don't like shrink, but that's what it says here. So they go to a a therapist to analyze their dreams um, and says it's a lack of sex that's bringing them down or whatever else is going on. We're like, yeah, okay, they're crazy. They're a basket case. But where it comes from is very grim. A U.S. military term from World War One, where soldiers who lost their arms, legs, in battle were literally carried off the battlefield in a basket. So who anyone could fit in a basket was called a basket case. And then that came to become crazy. That's, that's sad. And a lot would come home. A lot of them would come home. And, of course, you don't have your arms and legs. You might not be in the best of spirits. So maybe you do, you know, exhibit some of those crazy behaviors. And so it just kind of evolved into that and that's very sad
1: i thought it would be older than that for some reason
0: no world war one when was what year what's that like i have no idea i'm the worst with that i think i don't know
1: the 20s or something
0: oh i don't know and that's sad i'm sorry (laughs) all right this one i have used and i am embarrassed for using it and i will not use it again a cakewalk what do you think that means
1: um, when you go on to get some cake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a cakewalk...
1: I it mean, it's easy, right?
0: Yeah, it's an easy path to success. So when you're told that, um, that someone's task is no cakewalk, you've been warned of the huge difficulty or obstacle that you might have to face engaging in it. The origin of this phrase is not as cheerful as it sounds. A cakewalk was a dance performed by slaves on plantations in the southern United States. The dance was done in mockery of their white owners. The owners who knew nothing about the dance's backstory took delight in it and had slaves performing it for them during weekend contests while they served as judges. The winner was rewarded with a piece of cake and the phrase piece of cake also comes from this same dance. So cakewalk or piece of cake came from the same thing. After slavery came to an end, cakewalks became popular for another wrong reason it was performed by white actors who painted their face black and portrayed the slaves as people attempting to sincerely emulate white culture but failing hilariously it eventually became the foundation of famous ragtime songs over time the phrase remained while the phrase remained while the gruesome story behind it faded if any phrase origin takes the cake for being disturbing this one does hmm. cake walk piece of cake not using it. I'm going to I'm I'm going to make sure walk, I don't use it.
1: Cakewalk sounds like something that's more you could attribute to that, that to that saying, but like a piece of cake that's like just saying anything like if something could be a piece of pie, it's like supposed to be like a treat or something nice, right? So if something is a piece of cake then you would take a delight in it. And yeah, you but mostly when you would say- take a delight in something that's easy. You don't take a delight in something that's hard. So I could see how that one could still be good and not be like
0: Well yeah, over the years both of them have changed. Cake cakewalk and piece of cake. Or piece of cake, piece of because pie, some people just change that. But I just don't need I mean, I don't really need to say I could I could just say that something was easy. Like, right. I don't have to add extra words. Right. I don't say cakewalk actually, but piece of cake I say I've Isn't said. There
1: like a, um there used to be like a production program. Like for the computer called Cakewalk. Was there? Yeah, I think so.
0: Music production? Hmm. All right, well, uh, this one. I was working out today with my niece, and I remembered reading this one, and it kind of made me sad because the last 20 minutes of the workout, we had to go on a treadmill. So this is treadmill. What do you think treadmill, the origin of treadmill?
1: The origin of a treadmill? Yes. I don't know. That's like a... Seems like it could be so many things.
0: Right. Well, what it means today, of course, is exercise machine that you run on, or jog, or walk uphill.
1: The thing that's on a boat, right?
0: This, well, where it comes from, the treadmill was invented in Victorian-era England as a huge cylinder that people would run on to power a mill as it raised water or crushed rocks. And those people were prisoners and slaves. Yes, the treadmill was considered a hard labor punishment. Hmm. And it's not like when I'm on the treadmill, I can stop and get off. If I'm a prisoner or a slave, like I would just have to keep going. They're gonna whip me. I just gotta keep going and going and going. Hard labor. And then I'm just walking on it. They're actually powering something, so you know it's probably even harder. So yeah, that's treadmill. You no know, like. I had
1: an idea, just
0: now, but- what's that? <laughs> all right number 24 cats got your tongue what do you think that means <laughs> why are you looking at me like that <laughs> oh man what do you think that means
1: a cat's got your tongue i mean if a cat is in your mouth it can't be anything good
0: mm, i mean maybe maybe not
1: like a dead person and cats used to eat the dead people's tongues or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so cats got your tongue means that you don't have anything to say. But where it comes from? There are two theories actually behind the etymology of this phrase, and they're both R-rate. Well, actually PG-13 maybe, graphic violence, no nudity. The term comes from people being in such an unbearable, being in such unbearable pain that they couldn't even talk after they were publicly flogged with a cat Oh, uh, with cat a Cat of nine tails <laughs> Cat of nine tails whip For punishment yeah. So that was the first one Which is like Okay you're in so much pain You got whipped I get that Cat's got your tongue Makes sense Cat of nine tails whip um, The second one In medieval times The actual times Not the restaurant Or the show Anyone who committed Blasphemy would have Their tongue cut out And fed to cats mm. Jeez So I think the first I mean I don't want to I wouldn't want either one But Makes sense They both involve cats So they don't know which one it originated from But maybe one sparked the other one to say Oh yeah, this is something we could use I don't know Yeah, right It reminds them of it Mm Mm-hmm This one I use all the time I used it probably the day before I read this or anything But rule of thumb What do you think that is?
1: Hmm. Rule of thumb Closer Rule of thumb is like uh, I don't know I know what it is is used for
0: yeah well what it means today is a standard or well known metric or approach to a problem so rule of thumb but where it comes from although this has been um, somewhat challenged from time to time it's linked to 19th century English law that allowed men to beat their wives using a stick as long as those sticks were not more than the width of their thumb Oh shit! oddly enough even if that's not really the origin or the, the original, original rule of thumb, it's been linked to the phrase so often that it's a de facto association with it. If, um, if enough people say it, re- regardless, it becomes a word. So mind boggling and domestic violence. You could beat her as long as it wasn't wider than your thumb.
1: Rule of thumb and punch and Judy seemed like I could flip those bars if I wanted to.
0: Mm. And they're all English, yeah. all the British. All right. The next two are um, the next two are actually connected. So twenty six and twenty seven. I'm going to say both of them, and then we'll get the origins from them. The first one is "Long Time No See," and the next one is "No Can Do." What do you think?
1: I don't know. They just sound pretty straightforward. From <laughs> all
0: right. So we'll start with "Long Time No See," which I used, to, which I, I have said. Recently. Um, You might think of it as cute, like a cute thing to say to someone if you haven't seen them for a while. It actually derives from the greeting of a Native American man talking to early settlers. Non-native English speakers or anyone new to a language will make these kinds of errors in syntax, of course. Um, So that long time no see came from uh, making fun of Native Americans. And the next one, no can do, that phrase is something that we say a lot, that Americans say, but its it was actually making fun of Chinese pidgin English. So the first phrase that popped up in 1827, in reports of English speakers in China, um, someone was asking for something and they were saying no can do because they couldn't speak the entire language. So people say it, think it's funny. We only have a few more, one, two, three, we have four more. Gonna kind of like fly through them a little bit. Um, the next one is ghetto, origins. Of
1: that hmm. ghetto was originally made for Jewish people wasn't
0: it yes so um, ghettos were mandated locations for the ethnic segregation of Jews under Nazi regime during World War II. elsewhere the term became associated with poor areas with non-white residents now it's a bigoted term that gets tossed around to mean low class so anything people say oh that's ghetto that's it but now it's just low-class Hmm. But yeah, there is the origin of that. The next one we have here, grandfathered in.
1: Hmm. Just like, um, slaves can't vote unless they were grandfathered in. Right? Yes. The grandfather clause.
0: Yes. So you're probably happy if you get grandfathered in, um, in the grandfather clause for your mobile phone plan or your, um, or your rent or whatever. Uh, it usually means that you get the benefits of an earlier generation. However... The term originates with the practice of allowing voters in southern U.S. states easier voting conditions if they had a grandfather who had voted before 1867. Guess who didn't have those relatives? Black voters, because their grandpas were slaves. This term refers to an ugly and unfair history in voter disenfranchisement. That continues today. All right, next one. Paddy wagon.
1: A paddy wagon is just like that the police use or like the mental hospital uses,
0: right? Yes, paddy wagon. This is a slang term used for police van that picks up folks who got arrested. Paddy was a derogatory term for anyone Irish, and drawing on the stereotypes that Irish are drunkards and hooligans, paddy wagon referred to Irish guys getting into trouble with the law. Ethnic stereotypes like all Irish people are drunks aren't cool, so don't use it, but that's where that came from. So it was literally, although a lot of people do these things, um, that's where they got the nickname from.
1: You know, it's crazy. I really tried to come up with some of these myself, but I just tried to, like, not use them, so I couldn't really think of anything. Yeah. But now I'm thinking of all the ones that you missed, like...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, a cotton-picking minute. Yeah. I know definitely whipping something into shape doesn't it good. Really good
0: origin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's look. This one was very interesting. I didn't know this at all, but... Smart Alec. Where do you think that one came from?
1: Alec Baldwin.
0: (laughs) A smart Alec. A smart Alec is a person who, um, to the irritation of everyone around, acts like they know everything. The phrase was inspired by a 19th century man named Alec Hoag. Hoag and his wife, Melinda, were robbers in New York City. They developed a a, a con that involved Melinda posing as a prostitute and luring innocent customers into a dark alley. While making out with the unsuspecting victim, she'll slyly steal valuables from their pockets and hand them to her husband, who was hiding nearby. The duo, knowing that some of their victims would report to the authorities, struck a deal with several police officers to split the valuables with them. Uh, The husband stopped giving the police officers their share after he ran into some financial troubles. To avoid suspicion, they came up with a panel game. And this new scheme, Melinda would instead lead victims to their apartment, where she would have them take off their clothes, give a subtle signal. Alec would emerge and secretly take the valuables from the clothes before leaving through an exit. Then, to the horror of the victim, he would come back, knock the door, and she would tell him that that was her husband, who returned from a trip earlier than expected. The victim would um, quickly pick up their clothes, escape through the window. Police would soon discover that the couple's new scheme had subsequently arrested them and jailed them. The nickname Smart Alec was given to them by the police officers, mocking them for trying to outsmart them, and it soon became widely used in the decades that follows. They said try to outsmart them, but it seems to me like they did.
1: That one seemed like it was long as fuck.
0: (laughs) It was long. It was long, but I thought the story was interesting. And I used Smart Alec. Well, I did. What about
1: being the apple of somebody's eye? Where the fuck did that come from? Hmm.
0: I didn't have that's not on my list. I can look it up if you like. I have one more.
1: Okay.
0: The last one I have here is diehard. What do you think that is?
1: Except somebody who's hard to kill or die. <laughs> a roach.
0: <laughs> anyone whose commitment anyone whose commitment to a belief is difficult to change is referred to as a diehard. Um William Ingalls, commander of the British 57th Regiment of Foot is often credited as the first man to use the phrase. He reportedly ordered his men to die hard during a battle in the Peninsula War in 1811. This earned his regiment the nickname the Die Hards. Although Ingalls made the phrase popular, the first documented use of it was in 1703 in a publication that discussed condemned men approaching towards death. The text was written in London, let's see, um, where frequent public hangings took place until 1783. Back then... The drop method of hanging was not in use. So some men paid people to pull their legs to hasten their death. Men who would rather go through the lengthy and slow death process were referred to as diehards. That's what the paper said. So that's where people knew it from most. So in the 20th century, the meaning of the phrase evolved into the current definition after some members of the conservative party in Britain named themselves the diehards.
1: When you said pulling someone's leg, I was thinking I could go back to the other pulling my leg. They
0: could, that. right? Well, but this one they wanted them to do it so they would die faster. Hmm. hmm. That was a while. I and I didn't when even get to. Somebody says, though.
1: "Are you kidding me? Do you think that means that they treat that they think that the person is trying to treat them like they have the intelligence of a child?"
0: Hmm. That. I never thought of that but that makes sense. Did you just like think about that and just yeah, come put it? these
1: things are just coming to my head now.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Are you kidding me? They don't really have... I mean, it just tells you what... It just says like what it means but nothing is really saying the origin. Well... That's another and what was the other one you said earlier?
1: I don't even remember now.
0: You said some and I meant you know, I should have I should have written it down. Because I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. All right, well, if I remember, I'll I'll look it up. Um, like I said earlier, Martin Luther King Junior Day tomorrow. Hopefully you have it off. You can take the day off, um, be with family, celebrate, do something.
1: And that was Martin Luther King's birthday?
0: It's observed, I believe, Martin Luther King's birthday is today. Mm. So, yes. I saw, uh, I was reading an ar- article. Someone posted that their grandparents were uh, married by Dr. King at, like, age 21. They were trying to get married, and, and he, he was the pastor of their church anyway. Um, and then he wouldn't do it because he was like, you got to give me a good reason to do it. And eventually he did, and they've been married 61 years, so it's pretty cool. So he was excited and sent and put in a picture. But it was really cool to be able to be like, <laughs> I was married by Martin Luther King Jr. Um, all right, so any any I'm I'm looking through this celebrity news for this week and I'm like, mm, eh. We know Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet uh, are getting divorced, but they were allegedly separate separated for like uh, over a year anyway, so no big deal.
1: That whole story was like some weirdo shit when he said whatever he said to her. I don't know, man, that's crazy to me.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's It's weird. Tiffany Haddish was arrested for DUI in, in Georgia, allegedly fell asleep at the wheel. Wow. She was smiling really hard at her mugshot, though. She looked kinda happy. Um, Kendrick Lamar, to produce a comedy film about a slave reenactor discovering his white girlfriend's ancestors once owned his family. Hmm. I don't know about that. A comedy? It's a comedy film about a slave reenactor. Wow. I don't I don't I don't know how I feel about that.
1: A black comedy. But don't boom.
0: But um boom. Um Danielle Brooks got married and she looked beautiful from uh, Orange is the New Black. And what were we just watching she was in?
1: Oh, Peacemaker.
0: Peacemaker. She looked gorgeous. It was a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, the wedding was themed. It was in Miami. Uh, it was themed Chocolate Love. And it was really, it was she she did look great. Hopefully they put on the cover of a magazine or something because it looked amazing. Yes, black love. Anyway, um, any news that you want to talk about, Buck? Not really. Nope. All right, most unprotected. Feds refuse uh, security detail for um, Massachusetts' first black woman U.S. attorney. Is that Massachusetts? Yes. Um, Rachel Rollins, despite flood of death threats going to her. Hmm. What does she do? Least unprotected. She, I don't know. Let's look and see what she did. Uh, death threats. It seems... Doesn't seem like she's done anything except the first black except woman, be black. the first black woman U.S. attorney, and it's for Massachusetts. So
1: that's crazy.
0: That's 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 horrible. But they have refused to give her security detail. Um, here's some news: Fifty Cent's girlfriend Jamira Haynes, also known as Cuban Link, drags fans who's assuming that she had plastic surgery, and she has not. Um, so leave her alone. Um, <laughs> and Kanye West went off.
1: You met her, right? That's your homie. Yes,
0: I've met her a few times, and she's she's really cool, so leave her alone. <laughs> um,
1: Leave Ye alone too, man. Stop fucking with Ye, man.
0: Yay, Ye, Ye was upset because he wasn't, he said he couldn't find his daughter's party. There was a, a birthday party, her fourth birthday party for Chicago was actually a joint birthday party for Stormy, who is um, Kendall and, um, I mean, sorry, Kylie and, uh, Travis Scott's daughter so they had a joint birthday party he eventually was there because there's pictures and video of him there and playing with her and all of that but he was I read he somewhere was that
1: Travis Scott sent him the address
0: maybe probably but shout he was, out
1: to Travis for being a stand up guy he was
0: that.
1: there um you're yeah. not gonna get me to say nothing bad about yeah I'm like I'm like, what's her uh, her name? Kim Wayans on uh, on on Living Color. She'd be like, don't know. (laughs) (laughs) About Miss Jenkins. Yeah, he's that guy, man. Fucked up.
0: All right. Well, I think that's about it. I don't. I mean, it's MLK. I don't want to go into too much celebrity gossip because it tends to be a little bit drab and sad. So, Um, I did want to point out one thing that Buck pointed out to me but it happened to pop up just now on the screen so um for people to think about it says uh smoking cannabis can protect you from COVID-19 Hmm. so just a thing
1: I remember my grandmother used to tell me that they used to prescribe cannabis for people who had asthma and like breathing problems back in the days yeah yeah
0: it would make sense because if it relaxes your muscles I remember I had asthma when I was younger and there were a lot of breathing machines and steroids that they gave me and they would either strengthen my muscles or it would like it would strengthen the lungs or try to relax it so it's not inflamed so it kind of makes sense I don't know about smoking but you know All right. well that's it for our idioms and our brief celebrity news this week we're gonna keep it light and happy Uh, Buck do you have any Health suggestions for the people.
1: Health suggestions. Uh, something real. Like, try to make sure you get some sunlight every day. Yeah. People are becoming detached from the actual world. Like, everything on this world, everything we need to survive, I believe, is here on earth.
0: I agree.
1: Everything we need to heal ourselves, I believe, is here, here on earth. Alright well, who the fuck am
0: I? You're very important <laughs> You is smart <laughs> You is important um, Alright my closing remarks Learn to love who you are While striving to be a better version of you each day Don't base your actions solely on your emotions Try to find principles to live by And base your actions on those Aim to be a good person And then stick to your word as closely as you can You cannot please everyone So just try to be good And everything else will work itself out closing remarks your three your phrase I forgot what is it peace
1: oh yeah strength love and blessings
0: hey always thank you for listening to episode three of the ladies and goons podcast
1: ladies and goons podcast
0: (laughs) he's trying to be funny he's trying to be funny that's not the way I told you to say it don't get mad at me because I want you to say it with me so let's do it one more time thank you For listening to episode three of the Ladies Ladies and Goons Goons Podcast. Podcast. We love you.